Psalm 131. I'll read and then we'll pray. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Okay, join me in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you so much uh, that you found it pleasing to preserve your word for us and that this morning we could share in this great delight of looking upon your holy scriptures. Lord, we only ask that you would help us in our understanding of it, in our being shaped by it, and in our transformation. Oh Lord, would you save people this morning? Lord, too, would you sanctify people this morning, make them more like Christ? Lord, help us to know you as we look into this, into this passage. And Lord, help us to see our great need of you and help us to see our great delight um, that we can be with such a God. We thank you for all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm not going to keep you for too long. Um, but what I wanted to talk about in this psalm was the idea of Christian contentment. Christian contentment. And because this psalm is about Christian contentment, it's, it's a short psalm. It's only three verses. You can see it there. But this may be the longest life lesson that you will ever learn. Um, it's a short psalm, but it's the longest, one of the longest to learn. And it's long to learn because it's about Christian contentment. Um, the other day, if, if you're ever online on social media, you know what a meme is, right? If you don't know what a meme is, it's basically a picture. Someone slapped some words on it. It's supposed to be like a, a three-second joke you, you get it really fast and this one that i saw it was it was about contentment not christian contentment just general worldly contentment and um the person said this and it's supposed to be funny um they said if i have these three things i'll be happy number one more money number two more sleep and number three more money and um you know i, I had a little snicker at that it was, it was pretty funny but you can see a great danger there in, in worldly contentment Happiness, peace, fulfillment is tied to a circumstance. So this person in this meme probably represents most of the world. This person says, if these things happen in my life, if this is the circumstance in which I find myself in, then I will be content. Their contentment, their happiness, their peace, their joy is tied to a situation. So it's situational. And because it's situational and based on a circumstance, it's only temporary. You can see that, right? Because circumstances change, situations change, things happen that we don't expect. And then because their contentment is tied to a circumstance, if everything goes sour with the circumstance, they're no longer content because their contentment is tied to their circumstance. But then the flip side is true also. If everything is going well, if everything is all happy and um, everything is a box of fluffy ducks, then they'll have this false sense of contentment where they feel like they are fulfilled, where there is this joy and they find peace, albeit temporary and shallow. This psalm talks about true contentment, which is the opposite of that meme. It's the opposite of what the world thinks contentment is. 
this is a contentment that is not tied to a circumstance. This is a contentment which is not tied to a situation, which is why it's so difficult. Aren't we so tossed around by bad news? Aren't we so excited by good news? Um, you know, things just switch us on and switch us off all the time, which is why contentment, true contentment, not based on any circumstance or situation, is hard to learn. I just wanted to talk about three things, um, and hopefully this makes it quite simple, but here are the three things. Number one, what is contentment? What does it mean to be content? Number two, where can I find it? Where, what's the source of contentment? Where does it come from? And then number three, how can I have it? So just those three things, and we'll look at them very quickly. First one, what is contentment? Well, verse one tells us what it's not. So look at verse one again with me. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. This person says, there are things that I don't know. There are things that I can never know. I don't know why God does this. I don't know why God does that. And it's not my business. David here in, in this psalm, he remembers Deuteronomy 29, 29. Do you remember it? The secret things are for the Lord. But the things that he's revealed is for us and our, and our children forever. David in this psalm has learned that. He has learned that sometimes things happen that we do not understand. Sometimes situations occur that we cannot comprehend and we do not know why God has done such a thing. But what does David say about contentment here? He says, contentment is not us pondering and stirring upon and being obsessed about things that God has not let us know and that God has said, this is for me to know and not for you to know. So contentment is not a person occupying themselves, obsessing over things that are out of their control, that belong to God. So verse one tells us what it's not. So contentment is not that. Look at verse two with me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So this person is saying all that other stuff that we so desperately want to know and that stir us up and get us obsessed and keep us awake at night. Those things, he said, that's like milk. It's like breast milk from, from a nursing mother. And what this person has learned is not to depend on those things, not to rely on those things, not to look to those things for satisfaction or joy or contentment. Instead, he's moved away from those things. And now he finds his comfort with his mother. And here's this wonderful idea. Is, um, in, in biblical times, in, in the Hebrew culture, they used to wean their children a lot later than us. So we've got Karina, she's six months. In about six months' time, we're going to start that whole weaning process where, you know, she might get one feed a day and then it slows down. And then eventually she's not feeding at all. Um, in the Hebrew culture, they used to wait until about four or five years old. Um, and you can imagine, a child has developed such a personality by then. You know, our, our little Karina at one years old, she's, you know, she's just going to go along with it, hopefully. She might cry and throw some tantrums, but, you know, eventually we'll get there. But I can imagine if Lemmy, our four-year-old, was being weaned right now, he's got such a personality. He knows how to argue now. You know, he knows how to use a little bit of reason. He knows how to so maybe even guilt trip you into, into doing what he wants. So he, he can fight back and he can throw a tantrum and he can, he can give us attitude in this weaning process. So the picture here is this picture of um, a, a bit of pain and discomfort. 
So contentment is acknowledging that, yeah, this is pain and discomfort of not having to worry about these things that only God is supposed to worry about and moving towards God himself. And here's this other thing. When a mother gives um, their child milk, um, they're providing for their child, they're feeding their child. But there comes a time where, where the mother knows best. The mother knows that it is best for you to stop drinking milk and it is best for you to now start eating solids. It is best for you to stop this temporary phase and go on to this phase that will be you for the rest of your life. And, and the mother is setting the child up. And another wonderful thing is I'm taking away this thing that I've been giving to you, this gift that I've been supplying you for these four or five years. And now instead of you depending on those for your comfort, for your satisfaction, for your contentment, do not depend on the gift that I give you, rather depend on our relationship. So you can see there on the, on the back end of, of verse two, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. This person no longer finds comfort in the milk and the gift that is given, but now finds comfort in the relationship that they have with the giver. And friends, that is much like us. Um, where does, what is contentment? It is finding, finding satisfaction and fulfillment, not in the gifts that God gives us, not in the things that he supplies us, not necessarily in the providence, but in the fact that he's such a giving God in him himself. That's where we find it. So contentment is based on the relationship that we have with God, not in the situation that we find ourselves in or the circumstances that uh, are in our lives and impact us. You following that? So let's move on to the second part. So what is contentment? That's the first part. It's not obsessing over things that are out of control. And it is depending on our relationship with God for our satisfaction and not on circumstances. Now, where does it come from? Look again at verse 2. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And then look at verse 3. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So David understands that verse 3 is the basis for verse 1 and 2. Verse 3 is the fountain that allows verse 1 and 2 to happen. So verse 3 says that there is this hope in the Lord. So don't hope in these other things that are out of of control. Don't hope, hope in these other things that give you comfort and temporary satisfaction. Instead, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And this is such a wonderful picture. God can satisfy you, can comfort you from this time forth and forevermore. And because of that, we can put our hope in him from this time forth and forevermore. He's not temporary. So our our satisfaction, our contentment comes from him. You know, Paul in Philippians, he says it really well. And um, this is probably one of the most out of context verses that people throw out there, you know, Philippians 4.13. But before Philippians 4.13, there's 11 and 12. He says there that in every circumstance, whatever the circumstance I'm in, I've learned to be content. And then he says, I I know how to be brought high. I know how to be brought low. I have learned the secret in facing poverty, famine, hunger, and also abundance and riches. And then Philippians 4.13, he says this, follows it up. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul understands there that the fountain of contentment is Christ. Our contentment comes from him. And if that's you there, then you can be 
and high and low. You can be in a job that pays well. You can be in a job that pays low. You can be in a situation where things are so out of your control and life is throwing heaps of lemons at you. And you realize, well, God knows what's best for me. He is like a mother who is weaning. Uh, he is like a mother weaning his child. He's taking me off the milk and he's giving me what's best for me. And he always knows what is best for me. That's what contentment is, knowing that God knows what is best for you all the time. So where does contentment come from? It comes from God. It's made available in Christ. So it comes from him. He's the, he's the source of our contentment. Now, how can you be content in a life that is so unpredictable and uncertain, like the life that we've had over the last few years? Knowing that God is a, a steady God, knowing that he is eternal, knowing that he doesn't change, knowing that he stays the same forever. You know, and that gives Christians a grounding for their contentment. So those are points one and two. Point three is, is this one. How can you have it? Now, I said earlier that though it's a short psalm, it's one of the longest to learn. And it's something that we learn. We're commanded to be content. We're not commanded to do contentment. It's much easier to do than it is to be. I'm sure you'd agree with me there. But we're commanded to be content. So how do we get it? It's a lifelong lesson. Paul says, in every situation, whatever situation, I have learned to be content. David says here, I am like a weaned child. It's a process. It's, it's a gradual process that happens over time. And we learn more and more to depend on God. And here's a wonderful sort of um, opposite. So you see this child here. They've learned not to depend on the gift, but rather to depend on, on the mother. And, you know, as, as parents, me and Joanne, raising our boys and i'm sure if you have kids you're, you're raising your children to be independent of you so that they don't need you when they're 20 and that they're, they're you know they're self-sufficient they can do everything by themselves when they're 40 they're not coming to you and asking if you have any baby formula because they're thirsty you know then there'd be something terribly wrong if you saw a nine-year-old breastfeeding if you if you saw a 40-year-old if you know if someone came over to our place and i said hey would you like a tea or a coffee and they said oh do you have any um formula that'd be really strange, you know, it's, there'd be something terribly wrong with that. Um, sorry. So what I'm saying is that it's, it's a process. You know, we, we grow um, and, and we get carried along. Now, contentment doesn't mean that you have no ambition. And this is where I wanted to sort of bring everything to a close. To have contentment doesn't mean that you give up all of your desires and all of your ambitions. It means that you must have the greatest ambition. You must have the greatest ambition to be content. If your ambition is anything lower than belonging to Jesus Christ, if your ambition is anything lower than being with God, then I don't see how you could ever be content with anything. If, if your ambition is to, to rule the world, that's too low. Better aim for being a slave of Christ. That is much higher than being a ruler of the world. So what I'm saying is, if your hunger, if your desire is too low, and that these things in the world satisfy you, then you will never be content. You will only find shallow, temporary peace and joy. That's not lasting. But if you hope in the Lord, you can hope in Him now and forevermore. If you hope in Jesus and look to Him for satisfaction, you'll be satisfied forever. If you multiplied the satisfaction that you have with them here by 100, and then every day after that, 
he will never run out of things to satisfy you with. His, his satisfaction is infinite. Um, his, his being, being with him is eternal. So there's much to look forward to in heaven for the believer. And if you don't believe in him, if you don't trust in Christ, friend, you will live a shallow existence. You'll live by temporary, from one temporary pleasure to the next. And you will find that it was all fleeting and that if you gained the whole world but lost your soul, it was all for nothing. Why will you, why will you gain the world and lose your soul? Why wouldn't you instead come to Christ? And it's there that your contentment may start. It's there that we can learn that great lifelong lesson of being satisfied by him. Let me look at that last verse one more time. Verse 3. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now let me pray for that. Let me pray for that for all of us um, so that that might come to pass. Let's pray. Oh Lord, would you forgive us when we're so easily swept away by current affairs? Lord, would you um, forgive us when we find contentment in things other than you? When we long for things and comforts that are not you. Uh, Lord, but instead, would you take those things away from us and give us yourself? And Lord, we thank you that you are made available through Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us to come to him. Lord, also, would you put in us and help us to realize that God-given ambition to desire something more than this world can offer? And would you direct us to Jesus Christ instead of turning our eyes to things that are too marvelous and too great for us? Instead, set our hope on you and help us to hope for you and long for you, for you will never disappoint. Lord, help us now as we go through weird times, strange times in our current day to be Christians who are content, uh, knowing that our satisfaction, our fulfillment is not tied to the current circumstances that we find ourselves in, but instead that our fulfillment and satisfaction is tied to Jesus Christ, who is infinite in his goodness and in his grace and his love, and we could never be disappointed there. Lord, would you help us to seriously consider whether the infinite God, who in his infinite wisdom created this world, and in his infinite wisdom sent his Son because of his infinite love, help us, Lord, so that the infinite God is enough for us. Oh, Lord, how terrible it is to think that perhaps some people here now, for them, the infinite God is not enough, but these fleeting temporary pleasures are fulfilling. Oh, Lord, turn our attention to him. Help us, Lord, to seek first the kingdom. Help us to set our eyes upon Jesus so that everything in this world might be dim in the light of his glory and grace. We pray that all of this would be true for everyone here. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.